Hello and welcome to Money Matters. I am Jennifer Stone filling in for Dave Petzo today with actually a very special guest, Dave Petzo. So we thought we'd end the year this year um, interviewing him. There's so many questions that I've thought of that I would so like to ask him and we thought this is a perfect format to do so. Although you think it might be perfect, we'll see how this goes. Yes, okay? I do. That's why it's good we might have a delete button here if we need to. So... Uh, I don't, think I don't so. know. I don't know all these questions, and so it should be fun. I I prefer like all the time when I work with Kevin, is to I have no idea what he's going to ask. You know, I know in general what you're going to ask, but I don't know the specifics of it, and um, and so it, I always find that more fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Now um, I understand these are going to be some of these will be personal, more personal questions. And um, at the same time, I think we should probably, we'll see how that goes, but I'd like to try to roll that into all of this, into lessons for our audience. This isn't about me, it's about investing, Mm -hmm. some observations I have. And yeah, I suppose some of it is because I had a pretty interesting life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that'll be fun to relive parts of that and parts of trying the struggle, if you will, to get... Petzl Financial off the ground. Yeah. And you know, all of these, I think, tie back into becoming a great investor, right? I think one of the questions I'm asked all the time is, what does Dave really do with his portfolio? I know he's telling us that we should hold on, we shouldn't zig, we shouldn't get out, we shouldn't bail, but does he really do that? So a lot of these questions came from me wanting people to understand you are who you are. These aren't things that you're preaching that you don't live. That's true. Now, I also tell people, are these, is that really what my portfolio totally looks like? And the answer is no. You maybe have an income portfolio. So I may own more Google, Apple, and Amazon than you do, as an example, which are pure growth. You may own none in a portfolio. People have different objectives in that. So we're trying to create a portfolio, as I believe 100% should always be the case. There is not a perfect portfolio. There is a perfect portfolio or a better portfolio. We don't know what the perfect portfolio is because that's a future bet. The perfect portfolio. I always love how they, in, the, in this industry, they always come out and they're, they're always talking about the efficient market frontier and all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, but that's based on history, not the future. And so we're pretending again with all the mathematics that we can somehow build a portfolio that's more perfect. And what we mean by that is it gives you the perfect return by the, according to how much risk you take. Not true. It's based on what happened, which is perfect in hindsight, and it's perfectly going to be different in the future. And so, again, when we look at that, there are differences, of course. I do mm-hmm. some different things than, than other people do, but collectively, no. no. Right. We, we, we own the great corporations of the world just like we suggest you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess that's part of it, too. Um, designing portfolios versus, and you've been touching on this the past few weeks, and I agree with you a lot, is products versus portfolios, right? So when you're talking about building these portfolios of different things, it's almost like art. And that's the only thing that I can come up with. And I know I've shared this with you before, right? Mm -hmm. You can see colors that no other one can really see that I've ever been around. They go back to the, uh, again, what you've talked on too, 60-40. They stay so set in their ways that they won't paint a picture they just go back to the books and almost do paint by numbers. This is what I'm told to do. And if it doesn't work, uh, well, the book said it was supposed to, so I'm going to be done with it. Mm-hmm. So managing money and creating portfolios is like art. It's coloring a beautiful picture. 
how does apple fit into this portfolio for this person? Do we put a little more shade of this color or that color? And I don't know what, how else to describe it yeah. other than saying it's more like art. Well, that's interesting. Um, and I have heard you say that before. And, and, and I, guess, I guess it's true that I do paint outside the lines quite a bit. Um, I do. I, I don't, I, I, but it doesn't make sense to me in a world that's ever-changing. I just don't think it's logical to be fixed on what we did 40 years ago, 20 years ago, and so on. That doesn't make sense. Now, it's not like I, I twist in the wind. I, don't, I think there's that, that tension between the two, which is if there is, uh, if we should be changing, but you don't change all the time. You don't just go, oh, the market's down. Oh, let's sell. Let's go do this. Or we need some new hedging thing. You know, there's still that core of dividend paying, dividend increasing, buy and own that is still there and doesn't change. But when we have new tools, uh, exchange traded funds are just, I mean, they're just like, new, there's new ones every day and they're interesting. And there's some new ones that are fascinating. But the whole idea that we don't sit back and go, okay, with interest rates at one and a half percent, I'm supposed to put 40% of my portfolio in at one and a half percent, but that somehow, according to my Monte Carlo analysis, is supposed to give you 4% cost of living adjusted income all the days of your life. I, a third grader knows that won't work. Right. It's intuitive to me. And so I, I, I guess I don't call that high art. I would call that just stopping and thinking mm -hmm. and, 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 and seeing what the ground conditions are. We don't want to overreact, but we have to be able to change. Mm -hmm. 25 years ago, um, we did a lot with fixed annuities. Right. Because they were 8%. Right. Well, we haven't used annuities uh, no, to any extensive use, certainly not fixed ones, um, in, in, in 15 or 20 years. Uh, it just, things change, and you just look at the ground conditions. But dumping a bunch of money in bonds, and I, I a quick story, I, it, was, it was somebody coming in not long ago, and they were stuck in this world, okay, of this is what we learned. And they built an exchange-traded fund, which, by the way, we started to use just recently, um, in, in the, 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 that had 40% weighting of bonds. It's a 60-40 mix. But what they did instead was they levered those bonds and so you could own more stocks. Okay, it was a pretty clever thing and a good allocation of capital if you're using or trying to build a portfolio. I don't want to get too far in the weeds. But the point of this was I asked a simple question and I said at the time, you know, I, I appreciate that. And they're just showing you back testing of 60-40 and how it works. Mm -hmm. And I said, but... Why am I wanting to lever up something that I don't think will work at all? Can't work. I'm not making a future prediction. It can't work. Interest rates can't keep going down from nearly zero. Mm -hmm. So why would I want to lever that up? And I remember because they just stopped them in their tracks and went, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Right. They put a bunch of data together, got their people on it and called back and said, you're right. Can we call you when things change? And so we ended up calling them because things have changed very rapidly right. in the past six months. Rates are much higher, and now it's starting to make some sense. But the point is, is that even in Wall Street, this is what you get locked into until somebody basically, it reminds me of the old Aqua Velva commercials, right? Okay, you may not even remember that, but it was like this guy just goes around, and he just smacks, and he goes, he smacks somebody, and he says, thanks, I needed that. Because mm -hmm. he, he just like wakes up. It's right. like there's this realization that like, wow, that doesn't sense mm -hmm. and 6040 is like that to me locking in is like that to me it, you don't want to twist in the wind but you can't lock in mm -hmm. 
So how come you can think so much? It's so easy to follow the herd, right? So if you follow the herd and it doesn't work, no one faults you because everyone thinks that way. So how come you've always been able to kind of not be caught up in that, right? To be a thinker. You even say there's group think. Everyone back on Wall Street thinks the same. Everybody at these big companies, they never want to go outside of what they've been told. They're in their little box. Follow the herd. Why don't you do that? Uh, I don't know. Um, Maybe because I want to get a beating once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) I... um, it never has made sense to me. And I, I, don't, I don't try to be different to be different. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be contrary to be contrary. I just find that if everybody feels a certain way, there is probable groupthink there. And that's certainly been true on Wall Street. It certainly is true when everybody's analysis mm-hmm. is that the market must go up. Then almost certainly it can't. It's, 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 it sounds perverted, but it's not. It's not like the market's out there going oh, let's go ahead and take a poll and then we'll do the opposite. It's because people position a certain way and I just have a natural inclination to not, I don't think be too skeptical, but to at least ask and say, if we turn the coin over and see what's on the other side, if people feel this way, same way I think about even in politics, right? I'm a pretty conservative guy, but I I try to understand best I can what other people say. Now, if all they're going to do is just blabber um, the party line, whether you're on the left or on the right, I have little interest in dialoguing with you, okay? I already know what the dialogue or what the the line is, okay? Mm -hmm. But if you want to help me understand why you think big government actually works and have an honest discussion, I would love to have that. Okay, to me, it's the same thing when we're talking about portfolio design and 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 and, and the analysts when they when they're when they're when they're thinking about well, we think this is going to happen. And a recent example we had was when everybody was telling us that sixteen point five is the average PE in the market. I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but this is a number we know because we have to live through this stuff all the time. And then they're like, well, the numbers are going to be here. And then, and then you look back over a 20-year period of time, and you will find that five trading days did the market ever sell at 16.5 earnings. Well, what value is that? It has zero value. Mm-hmm. It's always way more or way less than the number you're te- they're telling me is, ba- is what, how they're basing the price of the market next yep. year. So to me, you're just always asking questions. And it, it's not like I'm just trying to be the guy that's always that nannering irritation in the background. But I want to try to clear up in my head why I'm feeling a certain way. And it's just like almost everything in life. If everybody's leaning to the right, I want to at least look at the, I don't necessarily have to want to go to the left side of the boat. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking about it before it tips over. I want to at least look. It doesn't make everybody wrong. It just means that sometimes we herd together. Mm-hmm. And so it's not intentional because um, you're right. It's, it's a lot easier to follow the crowd. It, it, it is. Mm-hmm. You don't ever get in trouble if you follow the crowd. It's like, oh, well, everybody thought the market was going to go down. Yeah, us too. Or right. Everybody knew or we were going to have a recession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but why don't we ask the question, right? right. And, and I always come back to that saying, um, and it might be even be Ken Fisher, who I, who I don't actually respect very much, but I thought it was a very good line he had. And it was, we have to remember that uh, what you know isn't worth knowing because the collective already knows that. Right. And so if you don't have original thinking, if you don't spend some time just in thought, 
and, and not trying to be different, just, just, just it just naturally occurs when you're just thinking about things and try to be logical about it. Why does everybody feel that way? I don't know. Is there another choice? Can we flip the coin over and look at it another way? And that to me is, has been really an important point of what we do. It led us away from the 60-40 mess, uh, led us away from bonds for the last 10 years, which was really important. Now we're kind of looking at them again and thinking about them. Um, there, the, these are the kinds of things we're looking at. Interval funds, there's all these things that, that, that if we didn't um, think about things differently, we would not be doing what we're doing. And it's also led us to think differently over the last 10 years of like, what's, what's, what's coming? What's, what's around the next corner, right? Mm-hmm. Again, not changing the fundamental core, but if we have better products, and who doesn't? Let's use them. It's crazy how far things have changed, right? Yeah. We talk about just the simplicity of buying a mutual fund versus how it used to be, the cost involved. Um, getting to even break even from mm-hmm. those upfront commissions that people had to pay. Yeah. So when they say that it's hard for someone to invest, that's almost, again, they're not thinking at all. It's super easy for people to start investing today and very inexpensive, right? It, it is. Anyone can do it. So have you always been this way? I know you started in this business when you were, I don't know why you even thought you should at that time, right? No, true. So, so what <laughs> made you decide this was your career path? It was probably a year into it because my career path was I needed a job and interest rates were so high. I had a wife and a child and I was 19 years old. So, um, okay, I had a girlfriend at the time on the way to becoming my wife. But I had a great, great deal of responsibility. We just moved to town, so I just had to find a job. And finding a job was extremely hard for those of you who know what it was like when interest rates peaked at 21.5% in 1980. 21.5%. Double-digit unemployment, double-digit inflation. It was a very frightening time for everybody. And then Ronald Reagan came along. So it was probably a year into it, and I was selling insurance and just barely eking out a living. I think I made 15000 my first year. It was hard. But what it, because it was so hard for me, I had to work harder than anybody else. And if let's say you have, you know, the 10,000 hour rule to become mm-hmm. an expert, you, you know, it's something you need 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, I got my 10,000 hours quicker than anybody else. I bet. <laughs> 10,000 no's, 10,000 doors, phones, whatever. Um, I got there quicker. And so even though I was very, very young and I, and I knew that I really had always been interested in investing. Um, to buy my first house, I sold uh, shares of United Airlines and, uh, and then borrowed from everything I could, including my dad, because nobody would loan you money. No so you had to come up with the whole down payment, meaning whatever the equity left was. Uh, they were guaranteed assumable loans. And for some of our listeners, they're smiling and going, yep, that's how I got my first house. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's going to lend you money in a 14, 16% interest rate mortgage environment. It was unbelievable. And so I know people listening can't even fathom that environment. Others go, yeah, I remember that well. I remember when we went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. It was a tough time. But that to me was a transition over into finance. Insurance wasn't for me very much fun, um, but it was uh, a way to learn to talk to people. And at 20, 21 years old, 
I just, who in the world would give me money? I still can't believe it, and I still love those people. Yeah. But isn't that, I mean, seriously, to bet on yourself that hard, right? It would have been so easy to just give up and go get a, a job. I know they were hard to find, but there had to be a few things out there. And think about taking a chance on yourself, <laughs> betting on yourself, and saying, you know, I'm going to try to make this work no matter what. People don't have that grit anymore. It's not the same as it used to be. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sad about that. I am sad about that because I think that um, as I see the young people coming in and young advisors in our office and in some ways it's um, they, they come in and want a better life work balance and and mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, I, you know I, I even make myself want to throw up in my mouth when I say those words because life isn't balanced like that it's mm-hmm. not like that at all you start out in any career you have to work your tail off we, you know, doctors don't go into medical school and go, you know, hey, before I spend a quarter million dollars, I'm going to have to really kind of stretch this out over a couple more years because, you know, I need some light work-life balance. It's not the way it works. No. And then when you get a job and have to start paying your bills, and you especially if you want a career, you work harder if you want to own your own business. So everybody wants to be their own boss. Yeah, and they... But that means you get to be the boss of the janitors. You get to be the guy that, hey, you know what? I haven't made a sale this week. Right. I guess I better get back to the phones. You know, my daughter, uh, gosh, I remember her saying, um, repeating what I, she'd hear me on the phone all the time. Hi, this is Dave Petzl with Banker's Life and Casualty. It's like, I didn't hear this little kid saying that. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Like, what the heck? Oh, that's funny. It was crazy, yeah. yeah. And so you do that, you do that, and do that. And I do wish uh, that young people would do that because the opportunities are vastly better than they've ever been. I mean, sure. they're just, it's just unbelievable. Nobody does what, the way we did it 40 mm-hmm. years ago, and they shouldn't. They're, you know, we were dangerous, okay? Even if we were as honest as we could be, we were dangerous. We didn't know that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I wish people would make the kind of commitment and have the kind of passion that I did and, and many others do for the industry. I don't see that passion as much anymore. Yeah. Especially in young people. And I and, and I'm I'm sad about that cuz I still do what I do cuz I love it. My dad's here, so mm-hmm. it must be in my must be ingrained. <laughs> but it's but it's one of those things that I I'm sorry for them. You know, yes, work-life balance. I got it wrong that way. They're getting it wrong the other way because you got to build your career and then everything just mm-hmm. it just lays out in front of you. All right, we're going to take a break. Okay. And then when we come back, though, I'm going to ask you a really difficult question if you thought at any time you made the wrong choice on Mm. this career. Hello, and welcome back to Money Matters. Uh, Jennifer Stone and Dave Petso today. It is obviously a recording because it's Christmas Eve, and I know everyone's listening to us. No one is away just doing the Christmas thing. This is the first thing you're doing today. I don't know why they wouldn't exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Gather around the tree, kids. Right, right, right. You know, okay, so we've been talking a lot about Dave, and he's giving <laughs> lessons on what he's seen and been through in his goodness since 1980. You've been doing this. 1980, yeah. That's yeah, a lot of years. The Dow was at 800. That's and right. And we always go back to that when you think about how amazing that really is, right? Where we're at now at 32,000 versus 800, even with a big market correction this year. Yeah, that's right. 33,000 now. Ish. Yeah. yeah. After a bad day today. I know. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so was there ever a time that you thought I made the wrong decision and I should have gone off and sold cars? 
Because you're a natural salesman. I'm sorry. You would have owned a business. You would have sold something. It's just who you are. You're an independent thinker. I don't think you would do very well with a heavy-handed boss over <laughs> you. So was there any other career path you thought besides this? You know, um, yes and no. I mean, this was uh, starting into this business is so unbelievably hard, uh, right? I only ate what I killed. I didn't have a salary. I didn't have a, anything. So if I didn't go out and make a sale, I didn't get paid. I literally didn't get paid. And like everybody, I have bills. And um, so there were times, and it just, I remember mo most certainly about my third year in, and I had just, I think the 65, 70 hour weeks were finally getting to me. And I remember I was up in Sun Valley, which was just a blessing for me to go there. You know, you tell, I couldn't help you earlier segment, you asked me about independent thinking, and I thought, well, as much time as I spent by myself in the car, no serious back then, weird. Right. Right? No podcast back then, weird. I think I did an awful lot of thinking and uh, about things, and maybe that is part of it. Maybe, and I also think that that's uh, how I'm wired. But to think about things and not just accept the facts. But that was back then, um, I, I remember, and I was... I was coming back from there and I just distinctly remembering, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And the thing is, most people at that time dropped out in the first six months. And then the next half of the people dropped out in the next year. And then you had a little less slow, right? Mm -hmm. And certainly people my age, I don't know anybody that made it because you don't make it. You can't. It's, it's too hard. And, um, but, but it, it, I just somehow, I don't know what happened, but I just kind of got through it. And then I got my big break and that was the, um, Blaine County school district. Goodness gracious. I, <laughs> I, I, suddenly I had that summer, I had a couple hundred people to talk to and a reason to see me. And that's what it took. So I'd run out of gas and got a break. Because I don't know why they'd give a 22-year-old a break, but they did. Right. Right. They did. I think the funniest story you shared was that you were having someone sign, I think, a life insurance policy or something, and their dog came after you, and you almost... Did you get bit, or did you <laughs> almost get bit? <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been nipped at a couple of times, and yeah, I think the most terrifying one was I was in... Uh, I, I, it, there was this lead thing, and it was uh, literally the middle of nowhere. Everybody knows how, how dark cold, windswept, Fairfield, Idaho is. Oh, yeah. So I'm r running back one time from Fairfield, and I, and I have this, this uh, uh, name. And, I'm, and, and, and they said to come see him. And this happened more than once where people are like, yeah, whatever, get them off, and they don't even know you're coming. I come up walking up, and there's pit bulls, and they're not chained. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I was so lucky that somehow this dog didn't rip my... Yeah, right I still remember that. I was just like, oh, I, they never let me in the house. They didn't even know why I was there. But I guess they were drunk when I, <laughs> they when said, I said come yes. By. I don't know oh, my goodness. what happened, but yeah. But, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah but you think about those times, right, and how far you've come. And as well as now, right, you would never drive across the state to have someone sign a piece of paper. Right. Everything's done electronically. That's true. It's all different now. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. And it's so much easier for people also. It's so much easier to be rich 
for people, for individual investors. It, it was a, it was everything, the information and, and ease of doing business is so good now. Mm-hmm. So good. But yeah, I, I didn't, I, that was my, I had those strong doubts then. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't so much a doubt of because I thought maybe I wanted to go be a truck driver. I just was worn out. And, I, and, and you're right. I always wanted to be uh, my own boss, own my own business. Mm-hmm. I always knew I would. And you're right. I always have. So I'm not really sure uh, how well I would have gotten along. But when I look around the world and, it's, and, and I look at government organizations and then even lesser, look at these big corporations it's, and their wokeness and weirdness and rules and it's... And, and people walk in and you can't and you can't even talk to them like they're normal human beings. Right. Just drives me nuts. Would drive me absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. So I'm very very fortunate because that has has led allowed me to hang in there. So yeah, God bless those people that, yeah. that took a risk on me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna come right back. I want to ask you about and what I'm gonna call it is your aha investing moment. What stock or mm. what investment you made that made you just Go, oh, that's it. I get it. I have one, actually, that I'll well, share that, well, that way, Hey, Maybe you can yeah, share that. Yeah, that I have great. one. But yeah. I want you to share that as well because I think that's something that people would really enjoy knowing about. What was that time that you just went, oh, wow, this is it. This mm-hmm. works. I get it. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. This is Jennifer Stone taking over for Dave Petso today, but mm-hmm. actually interviewing Dave. Um, this is really fun. I... I don't know that people realize over the years, I mean, I've worked with you since 1994 and the stories that we've shared with clients and the lives that we've lived through and the times that you look back and go, that was such a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the times, and this is such a small thing, but it was such a big thing to me. When I started, I was, I mean, I was young too. I really did not know much about investing. Uh, they just said, Hey, come work with this guy. And I'm like, okay, I don't know much about anything. And Dave was one of the people that let me run with it. So we've made a really good team because he didn't want to deal with the details. I like geeky spreadsheets. So for (laughs) me, it was fun to do that balance of stuff. But I honestly knew nothing. I was answering phones, doing paperwork. He would give me a note and say, hey, would you take care of this? And I'm like, oh my word, I don't know what that means. But I would try to figure it out. So one thing that happened that was kind of my aha investing moment was we had a retirement plan at work. Um, and we were investing a certain way and I was advised by one advisor to buy into a technology fund in 1998, I believe it was, or nine, right in that time period. Yeah. And then I asked Dave, I said, well, what do you think I should do? Because there's two advisors, right? And I was very green. I was newer to investing at the time. I mean, I'd been doing it for about six years, but this was my first time of having the ability to afford to invest. Okay. Yeah. So I put one in the Seligman fund right at the peak. I think it lost 63%. And then I was dollar cost averaging into this dog, as one of our clients like to call it, emerging markets. 100 bucks, 50 bucks a month, I think it was. Maybe it was less than that. It was like 25 was yeah, all we could really do, sense. right? Yeah. $25 a month. And I just watched it do nothing. The price never changed. It just sat, it dropped. Then it would go back to where it was. Then it would drop and then it would go back. But during that time, I was losing 63%. And then I looked at the end. And I think I was up like 20% on the emerging markets fund, down 63 on the other. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized what the magic of dollar cost averaging, the magic of being contrarian and not following the herd. That was the biggest lesson because yeah. that was a lot of money for me to lose. And guess what? That emerging market fund was my down payment for my first house. There you go. Hey, that's pretty cool. So yeah, it worked. That's neat. 
Yeah. So what was your aha stock? There's a few of them, actually. You know, I've been doing this for 40 years, so I guess there ought to be a few. Um, but you actually reminded me with that story of um, two of them that really struck me. There, 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 there was this conference that uh, Louis Rukeyser used to put on in Las Vegas once a year. And I mean, in that day, that was the conference of the world. This, is, this was where all the money managers went. So I'd take my little, and literally, it literally was a little tape recorder with a tape. <laughs> and I'd go and I'd throw my microphone in front of people. And, I'd, and, and some people may remember, I interviewed people like Mario Gabelli, you know, Liz Ann Saunders, all these people that were, back then she was this cute young thing that Louis Rukeyser just kind of fell in love with and totally made her career, you know, totally did. In 30 minutes on Friday after, Friday evenings. Rukeyser's Wall Street Week. Well, anyway, so I was meeting there, and then one of the presenters there happened to be with Franklin Funds, and I had a great relationship with one of the owners of Franklin at that time. Uh, you know, or they were publicly traded, but one of the founding fathers' sons, okay, right. ran the company at that time, and he was a good friend, and, um, and, and along with another one there uh, who, who went on to become president of the company. So uh, I would go to... California from time to time, and, and so I, had, I was also able to be somewhat connected with some of their money managers. But, so we had lunch during this Rukeyser conference, and he happens to be the brand new biotech guy. Biotech guy. Like, what's that? Tell me about it. Talk about it. So I was sitting there listening to him, and I, I, I bought into the story and started putting money in every month, and it reminded me of another one i got to tell you about, too. And so I start throwing it in there, and, eight, and literally a year later, I'm back and playing golf with these guys, and I go in and see him again. They're like, what's going on? You know? I mean, this is this biotech thing. What is this? Why does this work? Well, guess what? 18 months in, in the next six months, it doubled. It doubled. So 18 months in. And now I'm going to tell you, that was one of the better investments. The timing wasn't perfect, but to your point about dollar-cost averaging, I got lucky because it didn't work for 18 months. It meant I had enough money in there that I made some good money mm-hmm. when it did work. Now, on the flip side of that, my best timing ever was the Vanguard Energy Fund. Now, people remember, this was when oil was like, it always bounced between $10 and $25 a barrel for years. And it was in the 20s, and then all of a sudden it collapses. It collapses. It's at that 10 or $11, $12 in that range, somewhere in there. And everybody's 100% sure, like everybody who's on the right-hand side of the boat about when it tips over, that's going below 10, it has to. And I just simply stopped and I went, hmm, well, this is really not a hard thing. I don't have to be an oil expert. The truth is, is that if you're not making money uh, below $20 a barrel, you don't drill holes in the ground and try to find more. And so at some point, commodities always self-correct. Mm-hmm. Well, so I start buying. Well, it never went below 10. It was within literally three months. So I was super right, super good timing, and I made no money because I didn't have time to dollar (laughs) cost average into it. And so, again, it teaches you to just stick with something if it makes sense. I mean, if something's not going to go to zero, then just let it go. And it reminded me of that whole principle, not just of dollar cost averaging that you're talking about. It does work. Mm -hmm. But it's also being... Not convicted of stupidity, like this will keep working, right? right? We've all got errors like that all over the place. But but you have to 
be sticking with something if it makes common sense. Yeah. You have to do that. Yep. Have to. Yep. And see, that's what dollar cost averaging, right? When people talk about how easy it is now to do that in 401k investments. Um, everyone wants, the first question everyone asks probably when they come in is, what do you think is going to happen in the next year? Right. Which is such a silly, pointless question, right? Yep. It doesn't matter. But some of the things you can do is increase your contribution to your 401k. That's right. Who cares what it does next year? Excellent point. Right? Yep. So that's dollar cost averaging because you are going to pick up those shares at cheaper prices and let's hope the market stays down for a longer time so you'll get to buy more shares. It's it's exactly right. But we don't think that way. Mm -hmm. It's not the way humans are. No, of course not. You know, it's 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 kind of like uh, if you will, it's the, it's the contrast of that. As you, when you, and it's not just with forty years. I I I I've always had this long term outlook, but I admire John Templeton. I was very fortunate. I'm thinking about today versus the years past. Everything moves slower, and so you had to contemplate things. You could read about somebody. You read every, I read everything that John Templeton wrote, and and thought about everything he wrote. And then read it again and thought some more because he was just a, such a good thinker, right, mm-hmm. about things like that. But he also made comments like, I remember when I got the opportunity to see him when I was on his 90th birthday, totally by chance, okay? And um, this is one of those things in life that is amazing. So again, I would go off to Florida. We're going to go to the Bahamas, which was there, there where John Templeton was. And he'd been retired from his funds, but he came in to work once in a while. Well, anyway, so one of the guys that was there, this was 2000, I think the year 2000, and I got, it had had to be past 2002, because it was past 2001. Why? Because the towers went down, TSA changed, rest of the story. Okay, so here it is. What happened during that time is I went with a friend, and uh, we played some golf. I stayed there. And then we were going to get on the 12 o'clock flight to the Bahamas from Florida. Piece of cake, little death dart. That's it. We're there. I can't get on because I somehow managed to forget my passport. <laughs> yep. So I have to have it overnight. Remember, I, I call, you, the, I call you that moment. You guys yep. figured out how to, how, to, how to overnight it. But I missed the flight. Had to go out the next day. Could not talk yourself on the plane. Usually you could pre the tower's going down. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, it, I, I couldn't go, so I missed this guy I'd become very friendly with who ran the Templeton World Fund, and I really wanted to talk to him, okay? So instead of hanging out on the beach, I took a cab and went across to the, to the, the island to, um, to visit with him. And he looks out the window and he says, oh, Sir John's here. Do you want to go see him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> I do. So that's how I got to see him. If I hadn't forgotten my passport, I never would have met John Templeton at the time. Yes. Do you know what he told me? He said, when I asked him the question, which was generally, I t- we just talked about all kinds of things. And then he just talks, and, he, and, and, and then he says, you know, I'm going to be on Louis Rukeyser's Wall Street Week for my 90th birthday. And you know I'm going to tell him that there's a 50-50 chance of the Dow Jones Industrial Average being at $100,000 100 years from now. This is a 90-year-old man, okay? And it's easy to let that pass. A 90-year-old man talking about the next 100 years. Wow. Now, that's a generational thinker. Yes. 
And I miss that. You know, you got to be thinking about what's coming, not just past my life, but we got to be thinking in long blocks of time. Are human beings continuing to advance? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, you may feel bad about social issues and this issue and that issue. I do too. It breaks my heart. Okay? But generally speaking, is the world growing? Yes or no? If it is, then the corporations will continue to grow. And they'll figure out how to work around the morons we call politicians. They will. Yeah. And when you think that way, it, I think, gives you much more peace in what's going on today in the markets. That tomorrow is going to be brighter than today doesn't mean tomorrow. It means some tomorrows from now. Right. And that's all that really matters is the tra- trajectory, not the defining mo- movements between that. And people like John Templeton, it's easy to go past that and just say, oh, well, that's 100 years, so I'm not going to live 100 more years. Right. I, I probably won't. I would bet a lot of money on that. I could too, unless but, technology really changes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the point is that's irrelevant to our thinking and our thought process, or it should be. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Okay. Hello and welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone interviewing the wonderful Dave Petso today. <laughs> I hope everyone's having a Merry Christmas. We only have a very short segment, so we're going to jump right into a story you told me once. 1987 was a weird year. Boy, I'll say. So to me, tell me the story of that. That one was one of my favorite stories, too. <sighs> okay, well, first you have to understand. Of course, everybody knows. Not everybody knows. Okay, but that was the market crash. Okay, so that was... Um, so there's a couple different lesson stories. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't stop teaching. So I just have to talk about that, though, to understand this. If you, went, if you went to a cave, you were a hermit, and you literally knew nothing, at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, 1987 was up 6%, with a 24% one-day drop over 30% for the bear market that existed in a flash of time. It's crazy. And it's not because it all came back. It's because it went up so much, it gave it all up, and a 24% one-day drop. Unbelievable. So I'm sitting there, and I, at that time, I'd, I'd, I'd gone to a stock brokerage, a local one. G.T. Murray was the name. And, uh, and I was there for a year, and I was the financial planner guy. I was 26 <laughs> or 27 years old. And uh, 20, yeah, right there. And so, and then I'm sitting there, and we had a, this Quotron machine is what it's called, and it would have some delayed quotes, which we thought was unbelievably amazing. Well, that day when all the machines broke, right? Mm-hmm. Trading was, we're not sure how delayed. Is it an hour? Not, not minutes. Is it two hours? No, it was over three. Wow. By the time we, the market closed after five o'clock here. It closed three hours before, but we didn't get the final quotes till then. And it was just down, down. Every trade was down. Everything was down. There was no bottom. There was no bounce. It just kept going down 24% in a day. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was just literally unbelievable. Well, two things about that day. So I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is insane. Oh my gosh. And I had margin because being a young guy, why wouldn't you get margin? Lever up and go do stupid <laughs> stuff. So I did. And then, and, then, uh, and then I went, wait a minute. They'll never catch me as far behind as everything is. Totally legal, but I knew they wouldn't catch me. 
So I went and I bought Albertsons because what I noticed about that day is that everything fell the same. Mm-hmm. Groceries fell the same as tech stocks. Well, that's ridiculous. Right. They're not the same. Utilities, everything. Well, I picked Albertsons. Local company, very stable, good grower. Boom. So I go ahead and buy, uh, buy some stock in Albertsons. On margin, I don't have because it's just disintegrated that day. I know they're going to catch up to it, but it's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. It actually took a week. Oh, wow. And yes, the market did bounce. And, and a week later, I made a little bit of money. It's token amounts, but it was sure. just, it was a funny thing that only, uh, you know, uh, if you will, a young maverick is going to just try to pull that kind of nonsense off. And, um, and I don't recommend margin. It's a no. bad idea. That's exactly <laughs> why it was a bad idea. And, 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 um, but that was interesting, really being in a stock brokerage at that time. Yeah. And also, um, you know, I know it didn't have to work, but it just made sense that if nothing else, if everything was going down the same, that that was an opportunity to do that. And so, yeah, it was kind of a funny story when I look back and think about the fact that I was, I had, I was using margin I didn't have and hoping they wouldn't catch me for a while. And it worked. <laughs> That's great. It was an interesting time. Oh, I bet it was. All right. So we obviously need to take a break. We're going to come back next hour and we're going to talk a little bit more on lessons from Dave Petzo as well as tying in some lessons that we've come up. And we actually listened to some great videos that we're going to share some information on as well. Um, but when we come back, we would take phone calls, but we're not live. So Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll be back at the top of the hour. Hello. Welcome to Money Matters, Jennifer Stone and Dave Petzo today. We are getting some financial lessons from Dave um, sharing his history, and it's been great. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. This has been uh, a walk down memory lane. So far, I've not gotten too emotional yet. You have not. I haven't seen the quiver yet. Yeah, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> So tell me, uh, you know, I honestly don't know this story. Mm-hmm. How did you get into radio? Oh, um, on a dare, kind of. Okay. Um, kind of reminds me of back a little bit of the, the uh, what a brash young man will do. Uh, will, you know, borrow money they don't have on stocks that have just disintegrated <laughs> in the market. Um, and I, I guess it was one of those things I really always had a hard time not just asking. Um, in school, for example, if I, if I, uh, I wanted to go out with somebody or whatever, I, I kind of tended to be forward and ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that ended up serving me fairly well, although I didn't always get the right girl for sure. And it was always one of those things though, that I, I wasn't afraid to be turned down or to fail. I was terrified to fail, is a really a better way of saying it. But somehow I forced myself into those positions. I was, I, I, I'm very, um, if you will, uh, I, I, I am afraid of failure. It's something that's been a driver in my life, I recognize. And, um, but part of that, for whatever reason, I twisted it around and I always tried different things. I'd never listened to talk radio before, and when I started doing it, was because this lady, I said, what are you supposed to do? Sing a jingle about financial advisors, run 20 commercials and call it a day? Mm -hmm. Like, what is that going to do? That was part of this package, and for some, and and you know how I feel about this, some stupid women's 
investing conference that nobody ever goes to. Um, they want free lunch, so they do go. They do, they do. And you know how I feel about those two. Right. Women aren't different than men. They're nope. the same as men. They Correct. want to invest the same way. <clears throat> but whatever, we, 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 we do that. And so that was one of these, and, and part of the package was some advertising. And I said, well, what's up with that? And she said, well, well, do you want to do a radio show? And I said, sure. <sighs> so after not sleeping for a week, I started doing it, and that's how it started. It really was and the only way I can say it. Her name was Marlene, and she unfortunately passed early of cancer, but she was a wonderful lady and a radio salesperson. And um, that's how I got started. And it was absolutely, it was freaks and deviants. I'm not kidding. This was not, this was a pre-Rush Limbaugh, whatever you think of Rush Limbaugh. He changed everything. He changed everything in talk radio. He's my hero. He changed everything. Yeah. Everything. Anybody in radio, talk radio, I don't care if you're on the far left. He's their hero because it changed everything. Mm-hmm. And became serious. Serious thought. The ratings were zero. I was stuck on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock oh, on a station that literally had an Arbitron rating of zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yay! Besides my mom, I'm not sure who they listened. They all listened. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a great place to learn. And, um, and it was because I had never been on radio before. So it was a great opportunity to come in and learn how to talk and dialogue with people. And I was lucky because I, I don't have a, a, a bad radio voice. Right. You know, you're born with what you have. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's just so um, I, I, I don't. And so I was very fortunate. And I was very fortunate to just keep going. You spoke to Grit earlier, mm-hmm. and it is one of those things that I do seem to have some of that. And I just wouldn't quit. It wasn't because I was getting clients from the radio. I wasn't. Nobody was listening, and, except this doctor who, is now, who retired shortly after that and has actually never been a client, but referred a bunch of people in and because he was listening and he said there's something different mm-hmm. and would say, listen to him and maybe give him a call. Was it a call-in show at that time too? Was it yeah, live? Yeah, it was, but nobody called. <laughs> <laughs> so you really had to come up with stuff. I did. Uh-huh. I did. I did. And I, gosh, I guess I, I'm so sorry. I can't remember the gal's name who was there all the time. And I'd give her a bunch of questions to ask because she didn't know anything about finance. And she'd ask some questions and we'd dialogue for a while. And, and that was it. And, uh, uh, and eventually some people started to listen and, and, and did. And the thing about radio, everybody gave up. You know, all these people came and went on the radio. And if they weren't getting a lot of clients, they didn't want to give up a Saturday. But I found I was growing from it. I was growing, not because I was getting clients. I was growing and my thought process was growing and changing. It was, I, 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 I learned to think deeper and better about things mm-hmm. and, um, and just differently. And I would think all week long about what I could share and, and lessons, which would change the way I thought about things. Mm-hmm. So I thought about people like John Templeton as a generational thinker. Instead of just letting it go past, say, hey, he just said, yeah, maybe it'll be 50-50 chance of Dow Jones industrial average being at 100,000 in 100 years. No, that's different thinking, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, and so, and, and Dr. Bob, I can't think of his last name right now with Putnam. I've yes. listened to all of his tapes and over and over and over again. And it just made you think a little bit differently. And so I, I found I was uh, growing by it and growing in ways I just couldn't imagine. 
and then uh, John Dwayne came along to a zero rating rated station, um, and he drove it into number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember listening to John and Chris, and you'd come on and you'd be a guest. I think you were on every week for a short period. Of, I mean, every morning yeah. you'd come on and you'd talk. Cause I remember people would always say, oh, I heard Dave this morning on the radio. And I'm like, I don't think he's on every day. <laughs> but it's so funny how people start yeah. to extrapolate that into uh, such a long, and it is a long-term thing, right? Yeah. And John was so, he had the voice that was just, in you, you could feel his voice, yep. right? Because it's yep. that deep voice. Yep. And what yep. an, uh, um, what a great, I don't know, great stories and great time then too. Oh yeah. Oh no. Radio was so much fun then. Yeah. It's so lonely now, right? It's poor Kevin, and I've enjoyed my relationship with Kevin greatly. Yes. Kevin Miller, and um, but John and and Chris. Um, Dinah Jewell was in there. Yeah. She would have all these guests coming through. It was as likely to have a marching band in that little studio on the fifth floor of the Wadi <laughs> Plaza as there was the mayor or the governor popping in for a few minutes. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it, it was just a fun, fun thing. And John and I became very close. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 But, yeah, John, at one time, I remember he said, I, no, I, I, want, I come in every day. Okay, three three times a week. Like, John, I'll get overexposed. People don't want to hear from me every day, and yeah. and that's how much fun it was to hang out with them. So yeah. it was but I, good the, stuff. The radio has a, in every aspect of your life. You shared this with me many times. Has changed the way you think about everything because you don't mm-hmm. know what you're going to be asked, right? Right. Um, Kevin's really good about throwing questions at you that you go, "Oh, where'd he come up with that one?" Yeah. And it's something that you just don't know, so you you've become very rounded in everything. My favorite was when you talked about water levels. Oh yeah. yeah. It was like, funny. He's a damn expert now. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Some people say it a different way. Exactly. He's a damn expert. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I had to become, remember when we were under the, all that water and Kevin kept asking about flooding. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to get up on On this and on figure that. it You're out. Right. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. But see, that's an interesting thing, too, because people talk about the radio show or radio in general is talk radio dying, um, uh, TV news. Well, all these things because there's. It's changed so dramatically, right? Oh, yeah. So when I look and I say, well, yeah, it has, but we have podcasts now. So we're getting a whole different group of people that maybe don't get on Saturday morning talk yeah. radio. Yeah. They'll get it downloaded on their iPhone and they plug it in. And I do. I listen to the radio program almost every Monday because we can get it live and then I don't have the commercials. And yep. not that they're not great and everything, but you can get through it quick because you can no. speed it up too. It's totally true. Right. Right. And it's yeah. just the technology that has changed is letting us reach even more people. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think about that too, about the timing of that, the timing of Rush Limbaugh coming on and changing talk radio. I think of uh, John coming to Boise and resurrecting the station into number one and having fun with it and enjoying that. And, 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 and all of that is a blessing. I mean, it just, I didn't have to have that happen. Mm-hmm. I, I could have been in the middle of Iowa Right. And not had a good program to go to. And I know KIO wasn't a good station at that time, but it was what it was. And then it grew. Mm-hmm. And I got to be part of that. So, you know, some, t- some of us get some nice tailwinds, too. Yeah. And you're the longest uh, host on there, right? I probably am in the Valley mm-hmm. now on any station. Yeah. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. No, wait a minute. Joe Print. Oh. Joe Prin and I started at the same about the same time, same okay. year anyway. Okay. I mean, he might have been a month before or something, but 
that crazy? It is crazy. And it all is. these old names that are coming up. That I know. Talked I just about said, no, no, Joe, Joe, Joe won't hear this, but it's because he's actually on uh, a different station now. A different now, station huh? now, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about a few of the, uh, you know, the stories about clients that have changed. Uh, and I think part of it came from my biggest thing was tech, right? The tech wreck. That was one of the times that people were over, I mean, they always get overhyped on certain sectors, yep. but that one was pretty devastating to people because yep, everyone felt that it wasn't working. I remember you saying, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe diversification is dead. Maybe we shouldn't own things that pay dividends because I'm sure I'm missing the boat over here. Yep. And we talked about that for a long time. And there were a couple clients that we actually went away because you we weren't aggressive enough. Yes. Which is such a crazy thing. It is. Right? Now, it oh, is. I want to keep cash because I'm scared of the market. No, I'm you need to be more aggressive with my money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was it was pretty crazy. It's fun though. Two of the three came back. Yes. Unfortunately with less money, but a lot less. <laughs> they did. Um yeah, but but um and one of them has been a client forever, you know, since the eighties. They both passed on now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um um he was just great he just couldn't stand he kept having the conversation with the new york broker and just couldn't take it anymore pulled the money in that's okay um and it came back and it was awesome i know you at first young jennifer stone was really he was gruff he was gruff and it was not her style <laughs> no, no, of, and the of person to deal with yeah and of course that's you know obviously that changed over the years and became one of our both of our favorite yeah. clients he was it was cute because the fund that was used paid a lot of dividends and he didn't like the dividend side of it because yeah. he said this is a dog it never does any boy did he love that fun later yes he did <laughs> <laughs> don't you ever sell that one yeah yeah, yeah 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 so it was crazy but yeah i, I you know, there was, that was a very interesting time it was and i had a lot of self-doubts during that time i really did uh, like I, I was missing the boat and and, and and to a degree it was but what was fascinating during of how weird things get and can get, and they can go on way longer than you think, okay? Mm-hmm. And being in this industry, you get to learn about a lot of things, like companies that are being sold, that are being positioned for Wall Street to do an IPO. You remember that company locally yep, here? I it was do. like, no, you got to go back and do a new yep. PPM, meaning it's, it's an offering document, and you've got to get rid of any earnings in the next five years. Because then you can value the company and we don't want to be able to do that. So it's like crazy stuff like, what you mean you're not supposed to earn money? Correct. Don't. Oh, wow. Weird. Well, it was weird. And when it's that weird, but what happened is it kept going on. This wasn't just, you know, it, this was 98. And then it was 99. And it took into 2000 for the bubble to burst. Mm-hmm. And it was bizarre because the things, this is, we, we so vastly underperformed the market in 99. And more than that outperformed in 2000 when the market collapsed. Mm-hmm. We didn't change anything. Neither was true. Right. But it was such a weird time in the market that we learned a lot of lessons from that and human behavior. And it was also, remember, what, what really triggered that was it became the self-help era. This was the weird red-headed guy with a, probably a bone in his nose kind of a thing. He's a really cool day trader guy. Uh, dating the old man's daughter. Right. Right. Yeah. So come to yeah. TD Ameritrade or whoever was, was running yeah. the commercials at the time. Uh-huh. And boy, did that ever disappear. But yeah. that, that was, that's when we overdid it. But you know, Jim, we got to remember because we just went through that again. Mm-hmm. Right now, right now we're still living it. We're living a uh, Bitcoin. 
I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's real or it's not. I'm not going to make it. I'm just saying it's blowing up. Right. Robin Hood traders are gone. GameStop is is was not a real company, ran to billions of dollars, and is now back to not being a real company again. Mm-hmm. AMC and all these others that were these meme stocks. Uh, we this is this the lesson of this is this does not stop. Mm-hmm. We get so stupid, and then we do it again. It may take a whole generation. We do it again, and it's the same thing with leverage in in the financial system. Well, this is not going to be another 2008. Why won't it be a 2008? Because we had so much leverage. But will we do that again? Of course we will. Because humans do not learn from history. Right. And we stop teaching it. Don't mean to lecture on this. Don't mean to get political. But for whatever weird reason, we don't teach how great this country is. We don't teach the lessons of history. We want to tear it down. We want to do all those things. that just make no sense under the sun. We're the beacon of the world, and we forget that. We really need to teach our kids that. We won't do it. But I don't believe that that's forever either. But I do believe there's a lost generation out there that is destined to make a lot of the same mistakes, again, that are completely unnecessary, but particularly when it comes to freedom. Yeah, yeah. You know the sad part about it, too, when you think the younger generations tend to be the ones that get caught up in things like the meme stocks and the mm-hmm. Bitcoin and all that because it kind of goes to them. When you looked at the Robinhood app, it's game-like. Yes. So it appeals to that mindset, right? Yeah. So the sad thing is you take that generation that went through this and it didn't work and now they may be broken forever. They may be like, I don't invest. It yep. doesn't work. Yep. So something that doesn't seem like it could be that big of a deal, right, to get through it, now we kind of are, they may be damaged forever. It's true, and that's why we always keep coming back to the cup of coffee a day. Yes. $5 a day, $1.2 million after 40 years. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take much. It doesn't take anything, a cup of coffee a day. To quit, you, know, you want to go gamble? Go gamble. Do that with other money. Your serious money is a cup of coffee a day, invested for long term. You get rich. That's how easy this is. Mm-hmm. We just turn it into weirdness. And stick with the fundamentals. Yeah. We talked about that, too. I'm so glad we don't bite into the bitcoins and the meme stocks. We just go, I'm not touching that stuff. That's just silly. I don't get it. Don't want it. We're not narrow-minded to the point like Warren Buffett used to say, if I can't drive in the parking lot and touch it, not going to do it. That's not what we're saying, but stay away from the stuff that doesn't make sense. Correct. Correct. We're going to take a break. When we come right back, I'm going to pick your brain some more. All right. Hello, welcome back to Money Matters, Jennifer Stone and Dave Petzo today. I like being the first one. I know. There you go. I know. I like that too. It's okay. <laughs> I hope everyone's having a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is going to be the last show of the year, and it is a recording, of course, until we go into 2023. I know. I didn't think I'd live that long. <laughs> it's crazy how fast time goes, isn't it? It is. It's sad, and it's just the way it is, though. It is. It just yeah. goes. Yep. So, you know... um, I know we don't ever really promote what we do that much. We just tell people that when you need help, mm-hmm. look for an advisor. Yep. One of the things about this whole meme generation and the Robin Hood and the Bitcoin and all that, if they had someone to potentially talk to, it maybe would have limited the exposure and the risk and maybe changed their view towards investing Yeah. if they had someone to talk to. Yes, I have to preface that a little bit though. Because, as you know, we had a lot of different investment firms. A lot of Wall Street firms to lesser than Wall Street firms um, calling to give us information on Bitcoin, um, ways to invest in it. There's ETFs out mm-hmm. there. Questions like, hey, if you're going to do that, you know, what kind of 
you're going to be involved in Bitcoin and stuff. How about that? In other words, Wall Street doesn't care where they make a dollar. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not here not to say out. everything yeah. about Wall Street is evil. It's not. And the premise of it is what makes this country great. But, but, but one of the things I have to say is that when we talk about advisors, I'm talking quality advisors. And that word is used very loosely in my mind. An insurance agent pimping a, and I do mean pimping, because anytime you're stuck on one product, that this is the answer for everything, you are a pimp. That's it. There's nothing about advising in that. You are pitching a product to make a commission, whether it's appropriate or not. And the vast majority of the time, by definition then, it's not. It's not appropriate. And it's easy. I mean, you just said and it's you easy. Never, you it's done, out, and so you can't done. get out. There's no advice. Out. That's right. So we have that all the time. So do I call them advisors? Heck, no. I call them things that I'm not going to call them right now. Okay, mm -hmm. because that wrecks a lot of people's plans, mm -hmm. and it's all bad. And you have 10% commissions. It can't be good. It can't be good. The world's running the other way, and these people are dropping in their their uh, credentials so that they're allowed to make stuff up. Very frustrating for me. So as we say that, oh, I'm the advisor, I'm this and I'm that, there are very few pure advisors out there. And what I mean by that are people that work, um, I don't care if you get paid an asset fee, you get paid a fee to give advice by the hour, but you're not making your money on commissions. Yeah, that's changing that, the that role. That starts there. Yeah. Yeah, that whole changing it from being a fiduciary to yeah. from the uh, the commissioned world, right? It's such a different thing. Yeah. When it's transaction or suitability driven, it's easy to say this product fits yeah. because you can almost find any product that's suitable. Absolutely, suitability is different. You're right. It's a different standard. Mm -hmm. And so again, we don't want to get in the weeds here, yeah. but had fascinating conversations. We had our Christmas party, and then we had our office Christmas party right afterwards. And my dad and I were talking, and it just kind of came up about these kind of people. Bad advisors, if you will. But they're bad advisors or people that are shortcutting. It makes no sense. There's so, it's, there's so much money doing the right thing. It takes some time. But it doesn't take forever. And there's way more money being and doing the right job. Way more. We have a stupid profitable firm here. That's, it's crazy to me. I just can't, I can't wrap my mind around what has happened here over the last 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. And I, we were doing fine before that. Mm -hmm. But what's happened is it just explodes. And, 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 and yeah, without sounding self-serving, we do it the right way. We know we do it the right way. All the time. Mm -hmm. And we make way more money than anybody else who's doing it the wrong way. And that's what's weird to me. And I, I, so I think it's backwards. And I, I realize people shortcut from, from the radio to just trying to give people advice because I was just scared to try to be salesy. I, I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to listen. Mm -hmm. I wanted to teach. And at heart, obviously, that's what I am. Right. And so I, that's what I wanted to do. And I was willing to just wait or just talk and just go. And, and that's why I think we've been successful on the radio. Mm -hmm. why also I had staying power even though clients weren't coming in for the first six months and why I think people fail because they don't seem to think 10 years or 20 years 
generationally, what are you trying to do? And so that, anyway, that finding good advice, yes. good advisors is where I don't mean to question what you're saying, but why do people need a good advisor? Why do you need a good doctor? You've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. You can't do, know what I know after four, for 40 years. You can't. No. This is what I do. This is all I do. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not all I do, but you get the point. Pretty this much. Is what you I live and breathe on. it. Yeah. 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 And I think about it all the time. Correct. And you don't want to, who would want to do their own thing if you could do that? Right. Right. For not, not for an unreasonable price, but for a reasonable price. Who wouldn't want that? Right? Oh, yeah. And so that's the way I think of it. And you think about what, but most importantly is this. And I know we're over on this segment, but I got to say this. People miss this point. They think we're in this to try to beat the market. We're not in this to beat the market. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. Because you can't. Mm-hmm. We're in here in this to help people behave correctly, which is all there is to beating the market or beating other humans at the market, mm-hmm. is behaving correctly, having a course to steer on and then reset every once in a while. That's not predictive of the future. It's predictive of your future. What are you doing? Where are you going? How can you retire and have some peace with your money? You don't have any idea. You've got a mountain of money that moves up and down, and every time you get on TV, there's some guy named Jim Cramer out there telling you, bye, 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 yes, yes, yes. and this is what the market is to you. Yes. And it is to you because you don't know. Can I just give that burden over to somebody else? And that's what a good advisor does. Yeah. Takes the burden away. I know how much that's worth. You know how much it's worth. The other day we saved some lady hundreds of thousands of dollars. She can't live for a thousand years and pay that kind of fee. No. It happens once in a while when you do that. Absolutely. People can't know what we know with experience. You just got to find the right person. That's all. With that, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Matters. Does it feel weird to have me take this side of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although you're, I, I, I noticed I've been taking over the conversation. So That's all right. I That's what it was okay. supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is great stuff. It's very fun it's for fun. me to I'm, talk I've, about this. This is really fun. Yeah. Good. 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 So we were talking a little bit about good advisors. So I've had people ask me before, why does anybody ever buy an equity indexed annuity? I know we don't want to beat up the annuity guys, but what I'm trying to do is teach people to think about what they're being told by a professional to make sure they're not being sold to. Right. So when you walk in the door, a product should never be the first option. Right. You should get data, sit down, figure out what you're needing, determine the word that we don't believe in much, which is risk tolerance, because you have to have a portfolio that meets your goal, not your feelings. Yeah. But if someone just says, here, this is what you need, and slides a piece of paper across the table, run out the door. On anything. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of those old commercials that were, uh, where the guy would sit back, he was the banker, and he sat back, and, and, and the young couple, one that walks in, it's the first one, and he slides across, he says... After looking at your situation, I recommend our Super CD. Middle-aged couple, after looking at your situation, I recommend our Super CD. Uh-huh. Old couple, Super CD. You get the point. Uh-huh. It's always the same thing. There's no analysis, no thought. This isn't product wars, and that's what, the, that's what it is to them. They think, I buy products better. Well, no, no, it's not. And they don't think that. Okay? Nothing that pays, pays a 10% commission is a good product. Period. End of story. That's it. It's all done. There's nothing more to say, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and there isn't. I mean, we can talk about this endlessly. 
as to why we don't do this. But we've looked at this without the commission built in. Yes. We have other products, whether it's structured notes, all these other things that do the things that people are concerned about. I don't want any downside. I can't do it. I can't breathe. I can't move. I wake up all night long. Most people actually aren't like that. They don't understand. Mm -hmm. And they do have to go through their first bear market. But they learn. Uh, Almost nobody that is inappropriate for stocks because they can be taught. They can, be, they can have their hand held. They can walk through it. They can get through it. It's not like we're, we're, we're getting through the, the lines in World War I. Right. <laughs> this isn't what that is. It's like, you know, it's again, just get over it. Just stop it. Okay? Reminds me of that old, that funny bit that we like to talk the about. The or the nail in the, the head. One right? the other, right? Yeah, the <laughs> other one on YouTube, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are, those are good. Well, just stop it. You know, if it freaks you out, just stop it. And, and, and some of these things you do. It's, that's, why, that's why we try to come to our clients and, and, and people that aren't our clients once a week. Just yeah. say, hey, here it is. This is it. No. Have we changed over 40 years? Of course, we do things a little differently, but the core of what we believe in, long-term, mm-hmm. investing, is the same. So I almost find, and again, I mean, we don't try to be competitive with people, and that's not what this is about at all when we talk about these type of products and why we don't like them. But I also feel so strongly when people say, get out of the Wall Street casino. Yeah. You're buying and you're an owner, like you were telling the young man that came in to meet with you. Yeah. This is the only thing that gives you income that you don't have to do anything. That's right. Right? I mean, you basically give it and you take ownership of companies and they won't let you sweep the walks. They won't let you come and be involved. I don't know why that's even close to gambling. I know. Well, it's not. It's it's a cliche and it's, it's measuring things on that are unimportant, okay? It's like a magician. Look at this hand while you're, all the trick is happening with your right hand, okay? Mm-hmm. That's where the illusion is. It's the same thing, but if you yell and scream, you make noise, you talk about it like it's a Wall Street casino, you use the right negative verbiage, then you can scare the little old lady into making a bad decision. Yeah. You can make them uncomfortable when actually they might have been comfortable. We actually run into that with children sometimes. Children, they don't mean to, but they're like watching the, you know, some, mostly it comes from the far right, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the world is ending, mm-hmm. uh, buy gold uh, website. And then you dig in further and they're going to have a new currency, the Putin and oh, Xi, yeah. they're going to get together and ooh, they're going <laughs> to stick it to America and everybody's going to do a new currency. And then what's going to happen when the Federal Reserve does a digital currency? I mean, we hear all these things. Believe it or not, we heard about blood moons a few years ago. We did. It's true. And people get into these, and they think they're getting information. They're not. It's financial pornography, and it really leads people to the dark side in a really, really bad way. Mm-hmm. It's a frighteningly bad thing that people do. They don't set out to do it, but they get, up, they, they get there. Mm-hmm. And it can really twist their dist- and make them feel like they're in some kind of weird, dangerous place with their money. These are the greatest corporations in the world. It's creative destruction, which means like if you own the market, meaning the S&P 500, which is really not the market, but that's another day. And we're going to talk about that, and it's not what you're really trying to do. Which, but I'm saying if you owned only the S&P 500, truly the biggest, safest companies out there, there's no income story like that. 
I didn't say growth story, I said income story, and I mean it. Mm -hmm. Companies like Procter & Gamble, one penny per share per quarter in 1970 is now 80 cents. There's not a, an apartment complex on Malibu Beach in downtown Manhattan that pays 80-fold what it did in 1970. Nothing. And you couldn't do a thing. And that's not cherry-picking anything. Cherry-picking is when you say, you know, what you really need to do is you end up having to get like Microsoft on the IPO. Nobody gets that. You're right, nobody gets that. I'm talking about a 100-year-old soap company since 1970. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's, th th this is crazy easy, crazy misdirection. But I think people can be taught. We saw this at our Christmas party. Yeah. This is a bad year. Market's down, whatever, you can measure it. It's NASDAQ's down 25 or 30 and blah, blah, blah. Okay, Dow is this. It, it, 15 to 20% were down. People couldn't be happier and more content and not worried about a thing. Why? Because here's what happens. Market's correct. They're certain to do it over and over again all the days of our life. And then they go to all-time highs. And then, as certain as the sun is coming up tomorrow, it'll do it again. But nobody knows when. You can't predict it. You just know it's going to happen, so you plan for it. Yes. End of story. And if they feel comfortable that you've planned for it, they don't need to own the burden of that. And they can't be scared into a crappy product that pays a high commission to some slick piece of work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, we're going to take our final break, I believe. Um, again, this is a recording, of course, and next week, no, I guess next week's New Year's, so it'll be the following week you'll be back live, correct? That's right, yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Hello, welcome back to Money Matters, Jennifer Stone and Dave Petzo today. I've got a question for you that I don't think I've ever asked. Okay, well, have that'll you, be interesting. Yeah, have you ever been on the floor of Wall Street? No. Um, by the time I had the opportunity to go, and I should have done it, I should have begged the guy. Because I got to do everything with him over a weekend. And I should have taken that opportunity when on Monday to say, is there any way, because this was back in the, back in the late 80s. Where they and screamed it, at each other and handed tickets. And they had, I would have loved to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know my dad's been there once. But after that, they started getting more security. And then it became impossible after 9-11. Yeah. Virtually impossible. And so it became one of those things that you just, I just couldn't do. Mm -hmm. I've been to places harder to get to than that, but I, you can't I get in but there. that wasn't the one I got no. to get to go to. Yeah. That would have right. been interesting. Yeah, it would have. I actually thought at one time I wanted to be uh, on Wall Street for a couple of years. I did not think I wanted to be in New York, and I know I certainly don't want to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought that would be very, very interesting for a couple of years. But you know what? You don't get to bounce here and bounce there and do that. And, and uh, I, I thought at that time. And that's the way that life sometimes works out. It should be. Because mm -hmm. I don't know what would have happened to me if I had. Would have been maybe a whole different path, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Sometimes things, your roadblocks come up that are really good. You don't think so. At the There's time. There's a song. Uh, what, who is it? Country guy. Garth Brooks sings a song like that. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Oh, yes, yes. That's a very good song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And true. So what is your, um, still, I mean, there's so many things about this that's just amazing, an opportunity to work with so many people and live through so many different lives. Mm. But what's your favorite part? Is it still, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to say it's still the people and working with them and doing mm. that. 
but I know you've also um, evolved into being in quite a portfolio designer and doing some other more unique things. But what yeah. is your what's your biggest passion about this right now? You know, I'm not sure because I'm, I, I, honestly, I'm in a transition and you know me well enough to know you just ask a question that I have no idea you were going to ask and I'm just going to barf all over. <laughs> and so if I say something really bad, then we're just going to have to uh, delete it. But I, 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 I try to be as transparent as I can. And um, my wife and I are talking about that and how much time uh, we want to spend. And um, she wants me to retire, of course, because um, it's really good because she likes me likes hanging out with me. I don't want to, and I'm not going to. My dad's still here. I think it's genetic. And so um, we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And I know you've worked very hard at trying to f- help me figure that out mm-hmm. in your own way. So sure. like we talk about it a lot, but you've eased the things that are not um, fun for me. It is still people, but it's also the people I work with. I don't feel like I um, have completed my work at a, in any stretch, if I can't continue this through you, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. through other advisors, okay, and and you know how I feel about you, but I, I we are we are struggling to find that next generation after us, mm-hmm. not for feelings about them. It's just more of a um, the right fit. The right fit, because the truth is, is that. Um, you can drag me out of here because I might have a heart attack. I, I, I don't have a lease on life any more than anybody else. And so anything can happen. Because we've lived life with so many people over the years, we've, we've seen that. What was we, we, we talk about things like having three different clients have Lou Gehrig's disease. I know. That's not even statistically possible. But we do. Right. And did. And, and all the people that have come and gone and, and that we've known for 30 years or more, it, it leaves a real imprint on your heart and, and also knowing that you don't get to live forever. So we have made arrangements for that possibility that I might die, but as far as retiring, I'm not going to. And, 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 and most certainly until I feel like um, there's people that really feel the kind of passion I feel outside of you, because you can't do it on your own, um, that have that kind of passion Mm -hmm. to think differently, to be different, and to, um, well, love on people, Mm -hmm. because that's what's different. It is different. And I think the legacy that you've created needs to be continued. The way that money's managed, the way that we think about people, we don't ever see a dollar sign when people are sitting across the table. We find ways to help even people that don't do anything back for us. Yep. Um, the amount of uh, what we love to do is puzzle through different cases and talk about them and say, what's the best option for this person? We get giddy when we're trying to figure out, should we do a Roth conversion right. or should we not? And people probably sit around and go, do you talk about that all day? It's yeah. fun. Yeah. There's so much planning and so much creativity that you can do and so much thinking. Yeah. And if you get stuck in your ways and you don't see it, how do we teach it? So I worry about that next level as well, just because mm-hmm. of um, the right people, right? The right fit. I think we can teach it very well. I, I do, uh, we have a really good group of people here now, Yeah. but we yeah. need a few more. Yeah. Um, but I do look at this and think this is something that I don't know how you put it in a bottle and sell it, right. but it's really good medicine if we can figure it, it out. It, it would be, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. 
And it feels like, you know, you just, you, you like to be around people that have the kind of passion you do to serve people. You know, it's fun. It's fun to jump in with a meeting and with, with Tom. It was fun yesterday to, to, to solve that Roth conversion issue with the accountant and, the, and our client and, 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 and pound it through. And it was, a, it, was a, it was an elegant solution. It was. Um, for her and multi-generations, actually. Yeah. Uh, because it was just something that was really, and, and really good to have that kind of thought. That's fun. Solving problems is fun. It is. Yeah, hiking with my wife is fun too. But, it is. But it's not fun. I just, I just need that. I need that. I need this. I still need this. Thought. Yeah. 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 It is, and it's, and helping. If you have someone come back to you and say, "What you did for me at this period of time," uh, we actually had a client that had met with. I think it was Tom a few years back, and she came back in with her folks because she was getting to know us, and she was uh, struggling with cancer at that time. That's yeah. what the story was. And she was like, oh, I don't know that I need to save anymore. I'm not going to make it many years. And that was probably 10 years before. Yeah, yeah. And he said to her, well, what if you live? That's right. And that was such an impactful statement. For right? her. Has yeah. nothing to do with the product. Has nothing no. to do with the best investment in the world. Those right. are the moments that you look at and you go, this is good stuff. Yeah, exactly. And it is. It's, it's a good, it's, it's, we're humans. And so impact coming and being with people day in and day out is important. Right, mm-hmm. and it's important to our psyches. It's important to our growth, mm-hmm. and I and I remind myself of that. You know, one of the things that this is designed to do. I mean, we could do this before. No, we're talking about talk radio. Yeah, we're doing this in your office. Yep. Okay, and then we'll email this over, and it'll be ready to cut up appropriately, put commercials in, and blah blah blah. And then we also have forty thousand people. Have downloaded our podcast. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's just, just mind numbing. It is. And when we get our information now, we talk about this. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to be a dinosaur in this. I want to always push myself. And one of the things that I think about too is that we, you and I, get geeky about um, getting this podcast. And here's the thing too: you can do it at one and a half speed. <laughs> like you know, people like, but I don't understand it that well. But you can learn to exactly. honestly, and, yeah. and try it. Start at one point two five, and then you can really get through. A, yeah. And it's like yeah. it's like well, of course, and it's really cool, and then you can listen back to things. But that's a technology today that you didn't have. You just had to be where they were going, and you were you couldn't even get a recording of some most things. Right. I remember the tapes. We still got them in the back closet. Where I know. Were the tapes where they recorded them on a exactly, silly CD. Exactly. Exactly. They're not even CD. That's how I learned. Yeah. So much better. I had to listen to myself over and over again and go, oh, and that's so hard to do oh, at yeah. first. Now it's easy. But, yeah. But it was hard to listen to yourself. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. This is great. This is fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you all for listening. We look forward to 2023, and we'll talk to you then. Yeah.